Hi everybody, we are Matt and Kevin and welcome to Season 2 of the Believe in Overwatch League podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Please like, rate, and subscribe to us on all your favorite podcast platforms. You can also find us on social media at Believe in OWL and Believe.com. This week we discuss Spice Adams' final Overwatch antics, the new Sinatra skin, and details for the Summer Showdown Tournament. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to the gameplay segment of episode 19 of the Believe in Overwatch League podcast. Hope you've all had some great Overwatch gameplay these past couple weeks. Uh, how has your video gaming been, Kevin? Uh, it's been here and there, really. Um, I've actually been reading a lot, uh, believe it or not. I've, I, uh, I finished this book um, called Manga in Theory and Practice by Hirohiko Araki, a.k.a. the dude who wrote JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Um, he turned 60. I just realized he turned 60 like wow. last week. And he looks like he's 30. It's not It's not fair. Um, but <laughs> honestly, like I, I read through it. A um, lot of good insight, uh, but highly recommend watching or reading JoJo's before going into it. Um, been doing that. Video games wise, um, I've been casting Valorant for the West Coast War. Um, a lot of cool college teams coming together and just really duking it out there. Um, been playing Overwatch here and there, trying to get the crew back together um, to play that. But yeah, just things here and there a lot a lot of gaming um and just a lot of spectating for the most part um how about you how are your games going and uh how are the zomnics zomnics are doing pretty uh, we're doing okay we're getting better we won our first um our first map against a team we lost it three to one but we almost took the second one I, as i was saying in the news uh, segment uh for some reason i don't know why this kind of happens often with our comms but like there'll be times where i can either hear somebody or they can hear me or like the we'll be able to hear each other speaking but when we say something they won't be able to hear us back like i could hear my captain saying things but she couldn't hear me responding in turn and i'm shot caller so that was an issue we had on that last map where we had like opportunities to like sync ults but when i called something out she didn't like i what i would call shatter and then we were, she was supposed to do um, a rip tire to follow that up. But I'd call Shatter. She didn't hear me call it. So by the time she used her rip tire, it was too late. So that was that was an issue. And I think the team that we were going up against was like previously an academy team or something that imploded and they, they reformed a team that was in our bracket level. So I'm actually really proud of how well we did. Like we we put up a fight. So that's where we're at. Now we're we have we probably have a game this weekend. I think there's no reason not to. Um, we practice two days a week, so we'll we'll see how it goes from there. Uh, figure out how to make sure our comms are always in sync, like doing comm checks before each round. Um, and yeah, and aside from that, I've been uh, on PlayStation. They came out with uh, Battle Battlefront Two and Call of Duty World War Two for free, so I've just been noodling around there and last of us two comes out on friday so i'm excited for that but that that's me how's the uh you you said you finished your pc right how <laughs> what have you been playing on that and how is it how has it been has it been working up to your expectations or, or better uh yeah everything is working according to plan um i finally got all of my pieces together so i'm really happy um the only thing that is taking me a while is now setting up the whole uh, OBS settings and everything. Um, that is that is just pure laziness. It, that is all on me. Um, I want what my plans are. My my initial plans are to have um, like at night play my games with my crew, where it's just like late night gaming, either Valorant or Overwatch, like you know the hardcore sweaty moments that those kinds of games will be played uh will be played then um but like during the day when i have time you know downtime probably between lunch and dinner um i'll hop on my ps4 or my switch and uh you know play something a little bit more casual something a little bit more something a little more chill where i don't have to like you know sweat uh sweat so hard you know uh 
we'll have to enter squeaky bum time, Namin. Uh, <laughs> like squeaky bum time. That kind of thing. Um, just have like a really chill game. Like either go play a story game, um, maybe a fighting game. You know, it, it really just depends on how I'm feeling that day. Um, but I'm gonna try to get that up so I can stream either every every day or every other day. Just, it really depends on how busy I get. What's your favorite thing to stream? Ooh. Okay, so I actually started my streaming career playing card games. Ah. Uh, I I would stream between ten and three in the morning at during high school. Like, don't do this, kids. Don't don't follow my don't follow my example. I used to play Yu-Gi-Oh against like people in Japan and like Europe. So, um, I actually climbed the leaderboards for quite a while. I was like top fifty worldwide for a while um i stopped after a while because i realized you know keeping up with card prices is really expensive um like the whole like tournament atmosphere is nice for competition but it's really not good um like just health wise like you have people who don't shower for like days because they're working on their deck and then like they show up and they're nasty as hell uh like it it's happened before and so i really just that and like cards started getting stupidly expensive like a new set like the hardest card to find is now like 130 bucks a pop and you need three of those to play so people are just like why why i'm not even gonna try like i'm just gonna i'm just gonna you know play online for free like why would i go to an actual tournament if i know everybody's running the same thing so yeah, that's that's how I started. I started playing card games, but card games are still in my blood. So I play like Slay the Spire. Um, it's another really fun card game. I also play Monster Train, which is brand new. Um, been playing that quite a bit. Uh, people people think you know card games are weird. They're kind of slow, but it really does depend on the way how you you take take it on. Um, but yeah, I, card games is where I started. Um, but when I got like my PS4, I've been playing a lot of story-based games, so I still have to finish Persona, um, Persona 5R. Um, I have like, I have to beat The Last of Us Remastered. I haven't, I haven't done that yet. My friend's been pushing me to like finish that. I just haven't, you know, I haven't played anything since I haven't had the PC set up. So um, mm-hmm. it's just kind of weird timing. Um, but I'm moving everything over there. I hope to get something done uh, before. Uh, we have to do anything else so if i get that whole room set up uh have a really solid stream schedule maybe i could actually get through a couple console games here and there and then uh you know keep adding to it the reason i could never get into the whole card game scene was the the time and effort and expense of building a deck like i there is Mm -hmm. i want to say two maybe three places out here where they a lot of the focus is just buying the cards for your deck and like they sell cards as singles right you have to buy each card individually when you're building a deck right yeah so if you wanted to buy a like a certain card you can buy it individually or you could take a shot at like you know opening it in a pack but you know that that becomes the big dilemma it's like do you yeah pay somebody a stupid amount of money to get the card that you want or do you take your chance to actually get it in the pack um and then potentially, you know, get your money's worth by mm-hmm. getting more than what you asked for. Um, See, for me, when I was a kid, I liked Yu-Gi-Oh cards for the art. And mm-hmm. I watched the TV show. I never fully understood how to play the game. Mm-hmm. I don't even know where my cards are anymore. I think we might have gotten rid of them. <laughs> yeah, I did the same thing for a while. And then, like, in middle school, I learned how to play. Um, and then I went full competitive on it. Um, I still have my deck from when I played in, uh, I think it was 2013 or something like that. Um, yeah, before before I entered college, uh, 2013, I'm dating myself. Uh, please don't do the math. Um, <laughs> in 2013, I went to my regional qualifiers and I qualified. I came in first and I played, um, I played this deck that has to do it. Okay, literally the entire deck is puns on like royalty plus like dessert so they're cute you, they're cute you played a joke like, deck in one okay they're it's 
they're named after jokes, but they're lit- very, very strong. So like, okay, the whole archetype is called Medulce, and like their boss monster is, I'm not kidding. Medulce Queen Tiara Misu. Dear God. Yeah, it's a tiramisu, but what tiara in it because queens wear crowns. Okay, so there, there's that. There's pudding cess, as in princess. There's a uh, mess and gelato, the messenger gelato, uh, hoot cakes. You know, just like they're they're named after funny like animals plus dessert, and they're strong. So <laughs> people laughed at me. They're like, this this, uh, this grown ass man is playing a deck with a uh, with adorable art, and I'm like. You're getting owned by it, so so uh, <laughs> go ahead. Haters bring out hate. your boss monsters. I I got my I got my cute uh, anime inspired like dessert deck, and you're getting slapped by it. So can't really complain there. <laughs> okay, we've been off track for for a little bit, but <laughs> going back to what we originally started this podcast for, Overwatch. Um, so yeah, we're back after two weeks with the actual league. It's it's here. It's tier one Overwatch. It's back. Um, we are in the. I guess we're, we've officially moved to a more tournament style system, which I guess that's what Monty was pitching from the beginning, which the Overwatch League thought was too complicated. Um, but we're seeing now that it actually is an effective system. It works. Um, we had the May melee, went well. Now we're in the Summer Showdown, which is going to last um the all of june i guess pretty much and the first week of july is going to be the actual tournament um so again it's it's based on your your wins to losses there's a whole thing listed on the overwatch league how you're going to qualify and how tournament seating is going to work both tournaments because this is broken up again into the north america and asian regions are going to have a combined two hundred seventy-five thousand dollar prize pool uh the champions again are going to win 50,000 second place is 25 third and fourth place teams are winning 10,000 each and each tournament win per team is going to be $5,000 in addition to whatever um whatever championship pot prize pool that they win um again the North American division is going to have 13 teams Asia 7 same teams I believe as last time just based on their regionality and location um Matches are going to be first to three, except for the actual tournament, which I believe will be first to four. Um, hero pools are suspended for the last week of qualifiers and the actual tournament. Um, for the first two weeks that we're playing right now, there is going to be a two-week hero pool. Um, Echo, Sombra, Diva, and Brigitte are banned. Teams are still able to trade and do free agents right now between June 15th and July 31st, so teams may or may not be shifting. They have all of the matchups listed right now on the Overwatch League website. Uh, week 19 just happened, which was going to be the shortest week of games. Um, week 20 and 21 look like they're going to be six or seven games per day. Um same as the way the may tournament was there's one tournament between the atlanta rain and the vancouver titans that is not going to count on week 21 um vancouver has four matches between the week 19 and 21 so the titans and rain match on week 21 is not going to count for the titans but will count for the rain um minor detail um but that's how it's going to be so far um if anything what we learned from the may tournament is no matter what happens in the qualifiers, anything can happen during the actual tournament, as proved by the Soul Dynasty and the Florida Mayhem. Nothing is set in stone until the actual tournament happens. Um, but yeah, if anything, this just proves that whatever they were doing at first didn't work. Uh, Monty was right. <laughs> uh, Monty was right. Did- Imani was right, dude. He was he was saying this from day one. He's like, we we needed to do you know tournaments uh, throughout the season. That way, it incentivizes the teams to work better. You know, have that kind of thing going. Um, it looks like they they finally caved in a bit. Um, but yeah, I feel like it's going to be really interesting to see. You know, especially with the new roster changes, what some of these teams are going to show up with. 
Okay, so I know that you had a lot going on with Valorant this weekend. Were you able to catch any of the matches that happened? Uh, I caught a little bit. I watched a little bit of the NYXL versus the Dynasty game, um, and then I saw um, a highlight reel of Sparkle. Um, mm-hmm. And then day two, I caught a little bit of uh, the Fusion versus, versus Outlaws. Okay, I didn't catch Fusion versus Outlaws, so you can you can take the rain on that one, because even though I love my Outlaws, like, eh, I didn't want to see them get stomped again. Yeah. Um, but so day one... We had Spitfire v. Dragons, NYXL vs. The Dynasty, The Eternal vs. The Uprising, The Mayhem vs. The Fuel, and The Rain vs. The Gladiators. Um, the Dragons beat the Spitfire 3-0. The NYXL beat the Dynasty 3-0. The Eternal vs. The Uprising was a 3-2 in favor of The Eternal. Mayhem v. Fuel was a 3-1 in favor of The Mayhem. And The Rain vs. The Gladiators was a 1-3. Um... So I watched the NYXL versus the Dynasty and the Eternal versus the Uprising. Um, NYXL versus Dynasty was an interesting match to to go into because um, Haxall and Nene were coming as DPS starters for the NYXL, and this was their first time um, playing with this team. Slime was coming in to start as support for the Dynasty after the implosion of the original Vancouver Titans, and just looking at how these teams played during the May Melee, this had a lot of potential. Um, in general, I feel like the Soul Dynasty were a team that had a lot of... They had a lot of, of good starts. They just really weren't able to complete. You know? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Sometimes teams just know how to play the game but just can't close out like i've seen things happen like that you know i I, sadly i feel like the nyxl has a history of that uh when it comes to playoffs but Mm -hmm. uh like during this regular season they they look really strong but usually during the playoffs they just like something happens but yeah yeah uh they're they're doing the complete opposite you know during the regular season they're playing it really tight uh they're making you know uh in this game you know the dynasty had a really tough time closing it out uh but nyxl just really i feel like with the new lineup they're they're still really really strong oh yeah definitely um i feel like the the biggest strength for the dynasty is their defense like they were able to get some very sturdy holds against the nyxl which eventually the nyxl were able to break past and obviously because they won but when the the soul were on attack. It seemed like they really had no idea what they were doing. It's like they're going back to like being a coin flip team. Like coin flip, are you going to win? Coin flip, are you going to lose? Um, I think the biggest mo- the biggest map for this matchup was Hollywood because you're watching this and when the NYXL are attacking, it's it's pretty much uh, just a really they had a good hold. Especially, they, they, they ticked the t- clock down very well on, um, I believe it was the second point. Like, the first point, they got kind of overwhelmed very quickly, but they were able to establish some very uh, very good holds, even at the very beginning, like, throughout that second point into the third point. NYXL did eventually um, win, but uh, Seoul did hold before they could f- complete that third map, or that third point. Um, one of the issues that I saw when the dynasty were attacking was that, um, gesture kept going Winston, even like throughout the series too, he kept going Winston, even though it didn't work. Like he would always dive in to try to push the NYXL off the high ground, but he ended up just getting focused very quickly. And it was just ramming their head against a wall. And like, even if he was going primal like he was still able to get focused down very 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 quickly he didn't get any utility out of that like the the nyxl went hog to really counter his ability to to dive in and get out so i'm not sure what was going on there like did they not have another strategy for it or were they just so confident that after doing it enough times they would finally get that that play Mm. Yeah, it, it's one of those really heads up plays, like especially if you're Winston, you either go in and you get 
the picks that you want or you get immediately focused down. Um, but like, I felt like if the team played dive with them, um, with gesture on the dynasty, they would be able to get like a lot more picks. They would have been able to get in, have the pressure there, have the pressure available and bring the fight to them instead. Um, I understand, you know, lots of teams prioritize high ground because it does give you that option to, you know, focus down from the from high to low. But getting a team off of high ground is probably a lot harder to do on your own. So, yeah, once again, which is what he was doing was going in alone, which yeah. is not not ever a good idea unless you're like, like you have Diva and you have Diva Bomb. Yeah, it's maybe I one feel of the like only times if he had backup, he probably would have won. Mm hmm. Um, like if you're a Winston hopping in, if you have a diva as well to like help even push people off with boosters, you would have a better chance of surviving. Right. Plus DM could protect you from, you know, hog shots and, and everything. So yeah, once again, it does come down to teamwork rather than, you know, just feeding gesture. Another, uh big question that came up with this match was there was a really long pause where they had to pause the game because, uh, technical issue, technical difficulties or, or something else. But a big question was during that pause, like the Soul Dynasty were able to push back the NYXL. And the question is like, did that pause help them because they were able to, to come, to come together during that pause? Like they know where their position is. They know what, um, all percentage they have and are able to, to coordinate better. But on the other, on the flip side, like the NYXL, also had that same amount of time probably so um that was a big discussion between the casters and people on the desk so what what are your thoughts on it um when it comes to pauses i feel like once again it's always a technical issue to start um if, if it is a legit technical issue that is the way to deal with it is to make sure that you can get it over with um but it does give teams time to like relax like if they do see each other like let's say if you pause you know and you have eyes on your enemy you know exactly where they are um that gives both teams actually times to figure out what they want to do not it's not just one-sided it's uh it's pretty even i would say um as long as both teams kind of like you know understand what what they're supposed to be doing uh that that's what I that's what I think. I just think tactical pauses aren't necessary, but like if it's a legit tech issue, then it it's fine. And what about like the loss of momentum due to a, a pause? I do agree that loss of momentum is a thing. Like that's why once again, like in basketball or in football, they'll call timeout like just as something's about to happen. Um like the most the the dumbest one that I've seen is like the one where in football, like right before they snap the ball, the the opposing team will call timeout. So they snap it, the timeout happens, and they kick the ball anyways, right? Like they go through with the play. Um, but yeah, I just feel like it's it's weird. Um, you do have a loss of momentum there where you have to reset, think, um, and all that. But I I feel like professionals know what they're doing. If they're they're going into this game, they're getting paid. Uh, they understand, you know, um, this is a pause. There's no time to like really relax. Just keep the blood going. Uh, once that once that goes, once that timer goes out, just start start going. Just start winning. Again, you know, there. That's the thing that they wanted to bring. It's just keep the keep the competitive mentality even during the break. Mm-hmm. Has that happened to you in a match where tactical pauses hurt? Or well, not tactical pauses, but just like a pause where like technical issues to like happen and then it has to be a pause. And yeah, I, I've, I've been in there. Um, like I, I remember one time, like a one PC in the PC lab literally like shut itself off. Um, for some reason we had a tactical pause, um, during that time, like the first thing that we do, like as a team, we sit back, we, you know, get water. Uh, <laughs> if, if that happens, um, like just i tell them like you know don't leave your desk you never know when they can unpause like they can yeah. unpause while we're not there and just go um <laughs> i'd rather say you know what if you guys need anything send one person out get it you have to use the bathroom um don't yet 
don't don't go to the bathroom during a pause. You never know when they're gonna come back, um, unless if they call the bio break. But usually you do that in between matches. You you just don't start the match until you guys are all ready. Um, yeah, but yeah, I feel like during that time it's good to get water, good to regroup, good to you know if you are taking it, um, taking the time to relax. Just make sure that you're ready to like get pumped up and get ready to go back in when you need to. Um, there, there are like psychological ways to like really pump yourself up to get in um, after a pause. Like, at least what my team does is that we'll we'll count up to ten, and then we'll say like we'll destroy them or like we'll, we'll we literally say like yeah these kids like these guys are nothing like we we got this like we'll literally hype ourselves up to the point where we're ready to go again and we can do that at almost any time um Mm -hmm. it's just a good trait to have for a team yeah okay in the end the nyxl are still a very strong team i i i'm a little bit disappointed with the soul dynasty here um especially after how strongly they pushed the shanghai dragons which are the in some people's minds, the best team in the league right now. Like they pushed them to have to reverse sweep them. So this was kind of disappointing for me. Again, like I said at the beginning, we th- these matches kind of mean nothing except for seeding because it, Overwatch is an anime. You never know what's going to happen next. Exactly. Like it's just kind of the building up of you know the next season. We're technically in the next season. We saw the. May melee that's like you know after you finish 24 episodes you're like oh, okay yeah yeah that was a good that was a two good two core and then they hit you with this and you're like okay yeah now we're back we gotta reset figure out where the teams are how they're gonna improve over the season that's that's all that really happens here right the eternal versus the uprising so um sparkles making his overwatch debut for the paris eternal and the boston uprising did a lot better than I think anyone really expected them to during the um, the May melee, um, but this was a this was a three to two, and I don't understand it because like I I still think that the Paris Eternal are a much stronger team than people do give them credit for, but for them to have this much trouble with the Boston Uprising, like understandably they they've made some changes to their roster, but. It got to the point where even though I'm not a Boston Uprising fan, I wanted them to win this matchup because the Paris weren't playing like a team that deserved to win. Yeah, you you see moments where they're starting to slip up and like the Boston Uprising take it. They're just like, you know what, we need to we need to push through. We need to make sure that we can win this. Um, and yeah, I really give props to the Uprising for you know, keeping the fight close, um, you know, they don't want to be like slapped around too easily, but like, this is proof that they still have a lot to work forward to. Yeah. I mean, it felt like, it felt like the Boston uprising really came up to the Paris's, the Paris Eternals level, or if not that, then they both kind of went in opposite directions where the, the Paris Eternal like took a nosedive and the Boston Uprising like had a significant uptick in their playstyle to where they kind of met in the middle here. I think in general, what I saw throughout all of these matchups is that um, the Boston Uprising, I think, were a more consistent... They had more consistent good play. Um, they had more consistent damage and more consistent kills, it looked like to me. Whereas with the Paris Eternal, they were almost extensively banking on sparkle getting a that blade and then pairing it with the nano blade to get a good good team kill and push so um in the end that strategy was the one that worked because i guess i guess in overwatch it doesn't matter how many team fights the the defense wins the attack just really has to win one or two and get a good push yeah that's the way to think about it when you're going on you know um, two CP or like any form of attack defense maps. Um, if you win, if you win the attack, you only have to win like one or two fights in order to get it to the next checkpoint or to 
you know, even get a tick. It's just things like that, that you got to fix your mindset when you, when you go into it. So I guess this, this addition for sparkle, I don't know whether it's, I don't know if it's helping or hurting them because like I said, they're, like they're basing their entire strategy around sparkle getting that blade. There was one time where he got the blade, but was immediately slept and it didn't really do much damage, but he was still able to get two kills before that and two kills after that. So He's still playing at a high level, but do you? Th- I don't know if if this strategy is going to work for them in the future. If they're having such a a big problem taking out a, a lower tier team like Boston. Um, although the funny thing is, after the uh, in the post game interview, Sparkle said that he he didn't think that he played well, and he's he's upset that his play wasn't at the level he wanted to, considering like. He was popping off very hard. I think that's a that's a bit of a, a a funny thing for me. It's like if that's if you're not happy with that level, like what can you do? What what does your peak performance look like? Yeah, exactly. Like Sparkle is one of those characters who, when you realize how good he could actually play, he's even more insane than you know some of the some of the higher ups, dude. Um, one of the things that I wanted to say here is, um, you know, on your first game, like we've seen this with Sinatra, we saw it with literally everybody's first game. Um, you have that set of nerves where you're like, this is the big leagues now. I can't mess up. Like, this is things that, you know, I worked so hard for, like, I can, I can lose this in a matter of time. Um, I could get benched like the next day. Um, Mm -hmm. so a lot of teams are worried about that. Like sparkle for sure is like, you know, you have all those nerves running on day one. You're not going to perform to the best that you can, but, um, I feel like when he's given the chance, sparkle is going to do even more insane things than he already is. Another thing that sparkle revealed is that, um, Paris is still having language barrier problems with their play. Like they're they're still not at the ability because they are a mixed roster team now and they're not at the ability to to converse in their same languages and it's still causing them trouble. Yeah, it's just things like that um, that can slow up comms and calls. So I just hope that when like teams are going to be working on this for sure. They know that San Francisco was able to do it. That's just because they're they're lucky enough to have Krusty and a whole like full group and team of staff who are willing to get these teams to work. Um, they get the best talent and they make them, you know, learn certain things. So, um, yeah, I, I feel like it does come down to the staff and the way how they handle their team. If they wanted to have a mixed roster, they, they should be preparing for something like it. I really uh, just after this match, I'm. I think Paris needs to definitely go back to the drawing board and the Boston Uprising just need to keep doing what they're doing because I, I really think that they deserve to win this more than Paris did. Yeah. I Once again, like, I feel like Paris is at this weird middle state where they can be a middle-tier contender, but they could also fall really hard. Um, yeah. It really does depend over the course of this these next few weeks to see where they where they do or how well they play together. Mm-hmm. So moving on to day two, this is going to be the shortest day of play in the entire uh, summer showdown tournament. We only had three matches. We had the Fusion versus the Outlaws, which was a 3-0. Titans v. Defiant, which was 0-3 in favor of the Defiant. And the Valiant versus the Justice, 3-0 in favor of the Valiant. Uh, so, Kevin, what did you see in the Fusion v. Outlaws match? Uh, it it was pretty pretty standard. Like, it wasn't anything that I, that would have been out of the normal. Um, Fusion just did really really well. Um, they they play they play like a really strong team. That's exactly what they do. Um, they play the game that they want to play. They really set the tempo. Um, and when it came to facing off against the Outlaws, I feel like it was also the hero pools that really helped them out in a way. Um, when you ban, you know, Echo and Sombra, what is Dante playing? Tracer. Uh, like, yeah. But that means McCree's also still in the pool. 
There's a lot of yeah. things that uh you know Philly Philly is known for having great hit scan players too. Um, you know, you have both EQO on like crazy high ground stuff as well as Carpe still in that back line. So honestly, like the games, like most people are like, oh well, it's a 3-0. The games were close. Like if you watch these games, um Philly won Lijong two to one. Um they won Hollywood three to two. Um and then they won uh, Volskaya three to two. So it wasn't a complete blowout, but there were just moments where, like Philly, just turned it on. Like they, uh-huh. they were just like ready to go. Uh, Houston did keep it competitive though. Okay, who was? How was their tank line? Who was playing? Um, I believe. Let me let me just double check that. Um, it was Sato and Fury on uh on um Philly, but on Houston they ran hydration and Mecco. Um, they they okay didn't opt for uh Muma this week. So I think that's the strategy they have to go with. I don't think Muma is yeah. at the level where I mean at the beginning of the Overwatch League and well first and second season maybe Muma was at the top of his game, but as of late he's not he's not playing it to where he should. I think that subbing him out is the right move. Yeah, and they've been putting hydration there and it's been really working out for them. Um yeah, I feel like if Muma is able to push his like thought process to be a little bit quicker, he he would definitely be able to to win against these. Like even win against teams maybe even like the fusion or just push him up a little bit further, but right now he's got to earn his roster spot again. Mhm. Do you think that the the outlaw like talking about how the Eternal versus the Uprising was they shouldn't have had that much trouble. How does that go with this matchup? Because if the outlaws who are as, as a fan, it sucks to say they're, they're kind of a bottom tier team. Like if they're giving the Philly fusion trouble, what is that? What does that say? Um, it, it just proves that they're, they're tenacious. They want to keep, keep fighting through it. Um, Philly has been running, uh, Hisu quite a bit more. Um, it's kind of a, kind of an interesting pickup. Uh, for the DPS line, um, but yeah, they they've been putting him in, um, usually during like they put him in in Hollywood and Volskaya, um, just to give Carpe a little bit more, like space to work with, um, so they'll just kind of leave him there to attract more space. But um, you know, I feel like once again it came down to the battle of like Carpe versus Linkser on on these kinds of games. Um, they were kind of insane. So based on the Outlaws play, what do you think their future is for this tournament? I feel like they have a relatively bright future. Once again, I feel like they're in the same spot as like the Eternal. Um, okay. It They have room to improve. Like They can have a team that can compete. It's They have the talent. It's just a matter of getting everybody to work together and really figure out how you want to play it. Because... The main thing that is important is getting to, you know, the end of the tournament. And then at that point, right. you can play whatever you want. So you have to get through these hard weeks of having a hero pool until you could actually, like, get to the end. Okay. Well, fingers crossed for, for them. Hopefully they do a little better than previously. Um, okay, so the Titans versus the Defiant is the map that I watched this week or this the match that i watched on day two um so sideshow has shaved his head which is kind of ill yeah i don't know why he shaved his head um his hair was kind of wild in the beginning but like that's how he got his name because he looks like sideshow bob from the simpsons um and this was also a notable matchup because this is when spice adams joins in to cast during map two on blizzard world um in the main melee, Toronto beat Vancouver three to two. Um, so this was a, a, I guess, a grudge match to see where things landed up. It, this one wasn't nearly as close. This was an zero and a three. Um, Numlock is new for the Defiant as a tank, and he used to be part of the LA Valiant in season one. Um, do you know what happened to him? Did he just like? I know he only played, I think, one map during that season one, and then I don't know what happened to him after that. 
Yeah, I think he lost interest in Overwatch for a little bit, and then he came back. Like, I don't... I'm not 100% sure on that. Okay. And on the Titan side, they just got Shockwave in for the May Melee. Um, I think he was a definitely a huge improvement to their DPS line. Um, with him playing on their DPS, I think Dalton was a lot more free to to try new things and experiment more and be more aggressive. Um, and I'll get into, I, I'll get into that later, but I, I really do think he, they have a better chance with him in the lineup. Um, I don't think everybody that they've signed onto the Vancouver Titans is old enough to play in the league yet. I think they're, they're waiting for more people to come in, but um, I think in general that the Titans were, the Titans are still a newer team i guess but even though they've been playing as a team in contenders i don't know okay kevin question for you mm. um i'm inclined to say that a lot of the titans performance is due to them not really being used to the league they're not them being a newer team mm -hmm. but they've been playing in the contenders scene they were signed as a contenders team to replace the vancouver titans um mm. So is it is it fair to say that it's because that they're new because they've been in the competitive Overwatch scene before? So I mean, how different is the feeling playing contenders, playing college, and playing Overwatch, and I mean playing the league? And is is there a significant difference to where it could impair how you perform? Um, I do feel like it is like a difference of skill level, um, in a way when you play on a team like my college team is nowhere close to what the pro academy team is like um the the best way to describe it is like the the minor leagues versus the major leagues right like yeah you've been playing the game you've been playing the same game essentially in the minor leagues right um the only difference is in the major leagues there's just a slight difference in meta and the difference of like pure mechanical skill and how strong these people are right uh -huh. um that's pretty much the only difference like the titans the new titans were you know um they they haven't played with such big hitters before and that's why they're probably you know not up to the fight yet they're not like ready to to take them on yet um but you know, over time, if you keep training a team, they will get up to that point. They will have enough time to develop and become a team that can contend. Um, like, yeah, the difference between contenders and Overwatch League is mainly just like in contenders, you can still have people who slip up. But in the league, in the Overwatch League, you have to make less mistakes than your opponent or else you will lose the match. And mm -hmm. it takes a lot to get used to. Okay. That's a, that's a bit of clarity that I, I didn't have that I, I was really curious about. Um, because, like, watching the Titans play, it was very reminiscent to me of how the Uprising played this week in that I think that the titans did start out really strong they just weren't able to complete like if you look at um look at blizzard world they had a better time playing blizzard world than the defiant did but in the end like the defiant were able to i guess find holds or or get good just team pushes and after that the the titans just collapsed um i think for the titans in general just watching them play I think their strength really is Shockwave and Dalton playing their DPS line. Um, whereas everybody else, whether it's their tank line and their um, their healers are, they're not up to that level yet. They keep getting focused down or they're not, they're in the back line, they get taken out fairly easily. Um, I, I don't think there's that level of skill and confidence there in those four players yet. I think Shockwave and Dalton know what they're doing. I think that they're doing their best to help their team clinch these picks. The rest of the team has to step up. They're in the Overwatch League now. Like, you are on the main stage. Like, be confident. Flex. It, it, they're playing a little passively at times. 
All right. So going forward, Kevin, what are your what are your hopes for the rest of the summer showdown tournament? Um, oh, let's take a quick peek at the schedule, and then uh, yeah, I can I can give you my quick insight on that. Um, overall, I think that you know this is a good time to restart. Um, you can put all the stuff leading up to the main melee behind you. Uh, just focus on your own setup going into like the rest of these weeks and uh, try to pull forward and hope that you guys could uh, lock it down. Um, these next few weeks, let's take a quick peek. Soul versus Charge is first. Um, actually, you know what? I'll just go down the entire schedule and then we can uh, pick and choose. Um, on Saturday, late Saturday, or technically early Saturday, we have... Uh, Soul Dynasty versus the Charge. We have the Spitfire versus the Hunters, and we have the Spark versus the Excelsior. Um, and then Saturday during the afternoon, we'll have the Shock versus the Eternal. We'll have the Rain versus the Defiant. We'll have the Gladiators versus the Outlaws. And to round out that day, will be the Dallas Fuel versus the Vancouver Titans. Um, Sunday starts out with the Charge versus the Spark. Then the Hunters versus the Dragons and the Excelsior versus the Spitfire. Um, and the rest of Sunday looks like the Uprising and the Fusion, the Valiant and the Mayhem, and then the Justice and the Shock. Um, so for sure, I'm, I'm probably going to tune into the Shock games. I want to see um, I want to see ANS versus uh, Sparkle on day one. That's going to mm-hmm. be a really interesting matchup. Um I feel like that's going to be one of the one of the games to highlight. Um, I'm also looking at you know the Spark versus the Excelsior. Um, the Excelsior are going to be somewhat strong still. You know they they got that new lineup, but um, the the Spark really have a very steady lineup. So versus you know a brand new team, they might be able to throw them off a little bit. Um, I'm down to see that. The Mayhem have a game later on too against the Valiant. Um, I don't mind seeing that one as well. Um, it just really depends on if I could squeeze in the time. Hopefully I can. Um, yeah. I Literally this whole weekend is going to be packed for me as well. But yeah, some of these games look pretty exciting going into it. I would definitely take the chance to uh, look at some highlights if I can. I'm definitely going to be watching the Dynasty just because I'm very curious as to what's going on with them, especially... I keep saying like they they surprised me so much during the May melee, so I want to see what they're able to pull off because they've beaten the charge before, but the charge have also beaten them before. So this is going to be a toss up for me. Um, I do want to see how the Titans go against the Fuel because I think like the Fuel are still also a, a more of a bottom tier team. So let's see how the Titans do against another team like that. Maybe they're able to hopefully pull something together. Hopefully the tanks and the uh, the healers are able to, to do something more. Um, hopefully now that they're starting the tournament, like with everybody else, like having that, that time to get together and, and coordinate, maybe they'll figure about, figure out some better strategies. Um, looking at day two, the Valiant versus the mayhem looks like it's going to be an interesting match for me. Mm-hmm. I think that's what I'm going to be focusing on day two. Cause I think the, re- or maybe also the NYXL, maybe London Spitfire, that might be a toss up, but I think the rest of them, look pretty one-sided to me yeah I, I do agree i feel like once again uh i was gonna mention about the the fuel versus the titans game um it depends on if decay like shows up that's literally the coin flip if decay is available like and he shows up like that game is in the box for for dallas yeah. but if decay doesn't pop off the way that he normally does then uh vancouver could possibly grab one from him anything else you want to talk about before we wrap up nope i th- i think that's it there's really like once again like we are on a reset so take each game one at a time if you're if you're the teams um nothing means anything until the very end so uh just try to just try to get your slot uh and if you do uh fight for it don't don't just like give it up you know you, you have options to go into so um yeah i just hope that we get some more high level overwatch going into this. And if we see uh, 
how all these teams pop off, they they will. Um, other than that, you know, if you guys want to hear me cast personally, I will be on Team Liquid and uh, the SFSU uh, Twitch page. I will make sure to post about that uh, on Twitter before I go live. So um, taking a shot at that. And then I have another tournament for Overwatch potentially in July. So I'll keep you guys updated on all that. Awesome. Well, thanks for tuning in with us this week and make sure to check out next week's matches as well. And we'll break those down for you. Um, have some great games, guys. Please don't throw. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll catch you next week. Next week, we cover the second week of Summer Showdown qualifiers and see all of the new rosters in action. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. If you like what you hear, please like, rate, and subscribe to us on all your favorite podcast platforms and follow us on all social media at Believe in OWL. Questions or comments? Please send us an email at believeinowl at gmail.com. If you'd like to advertise with our show, please contact our network at believe.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.